Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR.org. I'm Anne. I'm sure you remember what it was like when you were searching for help, maybe for your husband, hoping to find the right program or therapist. That's why I started podcasting. I supported my husband through seven years of pornography addiction recovery, and not one therapist during that time told me I was experiencing emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. I didn't want any other woman on the planet to be in the dark. If you're like the majority of my listeners, you're experiencing the type of abuse that's invisible and difficult to wrap your head around. Your husband is using porn or having affairs or lying to you, and you're getting the same bad advice about how to improve communication or your relationship. If you need support from women who totally understand, check out our daily group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a session today. One simple anonymous way to help spread the word is to click, follow, or subscribe to the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. While you're there, every five-star rating helps make this podcast more visible and will help save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program that will make this type of abuse worse. For those of you who follow or subscribe to this podcast, thank you so much. Your support means so much to me. Here is a five-star review we recently received on Apple Podcasts. It says, Saving Grace. I'm a 37-year-old woman who was raised in the church whose parents were heavily involved in ministry. At the age of 14, my father started using pornography and continued to do so until I went to college. Fast forward today, and I escaped an abusive marriage, which included the police getting involved several times. I won custody of my girls, but the abuse is far from over, and my healing is very slow. Listening to BTR every day for at least an hour. I would recommend this podcast to anyone. Thank you, Anne, and the whole BTR team for working for us who cannot fight. Thank you so much for your review, and thank you to all of you for your supportive words on Apple Podcasts. They support me when I'm feeling low, and every one of your reviews and comments and shares help isolated women find us. I'm just finishing up the conversation with Dr. Omar Manwala today. And at the end of our interview, we just kind of started chatting about stuff. And I started talking about how I really don't want to get married again. My ex was arrested in 2015. The divorce was final in 2017. And I've only been on maybe three or four dates in that whole time. And I'm not really interested in it. I mean, I guess if someone maybe set me up, I might be. Sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not. Right this very second, I'm not. And um, I'm also not very interested in sex right now. It's just not very interesting to me. So Omar and I just kind of chatted a bunch. And we'll just jump right into where I'm talking about how I don't really care if I never have sex again. If I never have sex, that's fine. I'm okay with that because of the values I'm choosing. I think your awareness is healthy too, which is that there's a big, large, dominant part of you overall umbrella that's fine and adjusted and happy, but you're also acknowledging just the, a part of you, right? The sexual part and that that is meaningful to you too. And that's the part that I think is making you feel whole. And that seems healthy is just an acknowledgement of those wants and desires and whatever that is, and that that's acknowledged. And so there's a real choice and navigation that ultimately is extremely fulfilling for you. And sex doesn't have to be part of that. 
And that's some of the scripting we have to get out of are all these mandates and supposed tos around sex. We talk about gender pathology. There's an equal part of my model. There's a whole sexual layer there that we never talked about, but there's a lot of sexual pathology. In the model, you could put that religious scripting shaping someone's ideas of sex as a form of complex trauma. Oh, that's interesting. Because from my faith tradition, like we actually believe in a heavenly father and a heavenly mother, and together they are God. Most people don't know that Mormons believe that. So we're Christian, but we also believe in a heavenly mother and a heavenly father. So it's easy for me in my faith to be like, oh, yeah, God is a male and female. So because of that, on earth, you're supposed to find that eternal companion and you're supposed to marry them and you marry them in the temple and that that is like the ideal situation. And so if you're missing your eternal companion here on earth, then, you know, super sad for you. And so that's why a lot of Mormons have big families and very family oriented because this eternal companion thing matters a lot. And so for me, this has been so liberating to be like, I actually do want that. Like, I want a quote unquote eternal companion. That sounds super cool. But I don't care if I have that person in this life. This life is super short and we're all just going to die. So who the heck cares? So in my faith, I'm like the weird single lady who doesn't want to get married. And in my faith, that's weird. Like everyone should want to get married because that's the thing to do. Right. But I think that's similar with all faiths. Now I wear it as a badge of honor and I'm like so excited to tell people I'm divorced. I love telling people I'm single and I don't want to get married. It's something now that I just feel so confident and liberated about. And those types of faith scripting are just so interesting that like you're not a whole person if you're not married. And so that's also what keeps so many victims from getting divorced in all faiths is because they feel like, shoot, if I have to get divorced, then who am I? What am I? You know, because like you're a broken person if you're divorced or something's wrong with you or, you know, something like that. And I'm like, no, you're fine. You're great. You don't need to do that. So lately when any well-meaning, nice Mormon person in Utah where I live says, oh, you're so cute. Why aren't you married? I literally almost yell at them, but in a nice way and say, because I don't want to (laughs) be. I don't know if that's a trauma response or if I'm just enjoying shocking people, but... Anyway, that's where I'm at. Well, in that sexuality layer in the model, one form of complex trauma to our sexuality is this extreme pressure and coercion and social mandate to be married or else. And that's a form of forcing a human being into something that's so life-altering against their true will by grooming them and pressuring them, that's a form of complex trauma and it's extremely damaging. To pressure them from day one that if you don't, something's wrong with you and you're not whole is such a crippling, abusive, toxic psychology to impart on a child. That's so interesting. So this thing happened to me and I've been trying to define it and maybe it can help, maybe not. So two men in one day said, you're so cute. Why are you single? It bugged me and I just was like annoyed by it. But then the more I thought about it, the more I thought that was a microaggression, but I can't figure out why. Because to me, it felt like my cuteness didn't count for itself. It had to like belong to someone else. 
or something. I don't know even like how to define it, but it's been like rattling around in my head as like, I didn't realize this was a microaggression, but I think that it is. I owe my cuteness to someone. Cuteness must be owned by a man or something. Do you have any insight into that? Because I've been thinking about that and trying to like formulate what it meant or why it would be a microaggression. And I haven't quite been able to like put my finger on it. My finger goes to the word owned and cuteness is only legitimate if a man owns it. And let's go to the truth and the reality about marriage and how it actually developed in the human race, which is your wife is property. You own another human for sex in large part. That is sexual entitlement. It's part of the institution of marriage. It's actually the definition of marriage is the entitlement to own another human being. So now you fast forward and now you have guys making these comments unconsciously with the same assumption, which it goes all the way back to that. And that's why it would be triggering in a microaggression because you're really not anyone until you're owned by a man and now you're legitimate. And any attractiveness or being cute is for that purpose. It's really awful and toxic and disgusting. The implication. I'm really for people making conscious, healthy choices and being informed. And if you are informed and everything's laid out and you choose something, I'm all for you. However, I'm against socializing and forcing people into the idea that they should be married or else. Real quick before a response, there are a lot of so-called betrayal trauma therapists or coaches or groups out there, but they don't approach pornography use or infidelity as an abuse issue, or they try to quote unquote treat both the abuser and the victim in the same setting, which is unethical. So if you hear something in this episode you relate to, check out the group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a group session today. Now back to our conversation. Here's a five-star review we received on Amazon. It says, amazingly accurate and helpful. This book is phenomenal and highlights the pain and anguish from the abusive behaviors of lying, gaslighting, blaming, and the abuse cycle. Please read. Okay, now back to my conversation with Dr. Manwala. For me, if I chose to ever get married again, because I don't really want to. So it would only be because I'm like, oh, here's a healthy man who I'm attracted to, who I could build a life with. We have similar values, you know, whatever. And this would feel like a partnership to me because I'm looking for a partnership. And that is what marriage means to me. But I am not looking for an abusive situation. And so that's why I don't want to get married. So it's kind of like saying both things at the same time. But it can really protect women in a lot of cases. Like when I was getting divorced, I was so grateful that I had been married. Because had I not been married, I wouldn't have been able to get maybe some kinds of child support, maybe some kinds of spousal support. Also, like, let's say his name was on the house, but mine wasn't, you know, because I hadn't been married more than seven years. So for me, like marriage really kept me safe, which I don't think a lot of people talk about. A lot of people talk about like the bad things about it. But like in a lot of ways, a victim, because she's married, she's able to protect herself in divorce a lot more than if she wasn't. Yeah, because you're married. So you get that privilege. I have done a study in my practice, word of mouth study, just always asking guys for years, right? Two questions. 
why did you get married? Why did you have kids? Guess what the answers are? First of all, the answers are usually always the same. It's like not a wide range of answers. It's almost like 95% of the answers are the same answer. Is it because I was supposed to? Nope. Either, or silence, or shoulder shrug. Wow. There's no thought, reason, or voice attached to having kids or getting married. That's how deep and unconscious just following the script is. That's how forced boys are into doing those two things. That is scary. That is super scary. It reminds me of my across-the-street neighbor who she wanted to serve a mission for our church. And her boyfriend at the time was like, well, I'm going to get married in the next couple months. So if you go on a mission, I'll just have to marry someone else. <laughs> and so she, she married him. So she stayed home. She, she wanted to serve a mission. And I thought, basically, he is saying, I don't care about you at all. All I care about is getting married for whatever reason. And it doesn't really matter who to. That story was so crazy alarming to me. You're an interchangeable object, just like what a wife traditionally is, a piece of property. So I'll just buy a new one. Yeah, yeah. It was so alarming to me because I think I asked her how they got engaged. I was like, oh, how did you guys get engaged? And that is the story she told, but she wasn't super ashamed of it or anything. She was just like, oh, yeah, it just went down like that. And so then we got married and now they have six kids. Yeah, because she's following the script unconsciously. And they're romanticizing it when it's really a symptom of abuse. Yeah, it was an alarming story. She really scares me because I'm 100% sure she's an abuse victim, but of the secret sexual basement thing, her husband's not hitting her or anything. But I'm like, holy cow, like, she doesn't know. She doesn't know that she is just an abuse victim. And I see it everywhere now, and it really freaks me out. It takes a lot for me to not just walk up and, like, shake people and be like, do you know you're being abused? But then I'm the really crazy lady at church. Put it in your work, hone it in and where you can channel it, where it's the most productive. Yes, yes, because I don't want to offend my neighbors. Also, that's none of my business. If she wants to be in an abusive relationship that she doesn't know she's in, I mean, that's not her fault, but like, then that's none of my business. I agree. I say go for quality in how you choose your fights. Yeah, I can just show up for her too as a friend and just like be empathetic and be here for her. If anything ever goes down, like I'm here. But otherwise, I'm not out to like ruin people's lives, even though they think that I am. But this is so relevant because being forced to get married, being forced to have children is going to cause huge amounts of rage. And where's that rage going to go? It's going to partly go into the basement. And then we ask ourselves, why so mad? Well, wouldn't you be mad if you were forced into marriage and forced into having kids and you didn't even think about it? It wasn't a choice. Yeah. So my daughter is six. And every time I'm like, well, when you have a kid and guess what she always says to me, she's like, mom, I'm not getting married. I'm not having kids. And I'm always like, oh, it's funny that even the, thinking the way I do, I even like accidentally say that to her. The fact that she is like, no, 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 mom. I'm like, yep, yeah, you don't have to. But then we went to Disney World with my best friend and her husband, who's awesome. I don't think he's an abuser and their kids. She said to me, oh, mom, I've changed my mind. And I was like, oh, you have? And she's like, yes, I'm going to marry Boone because they like held hands the whole time. I mean, they're so cute together. And she was like, it would be very inappropriate to marry right now because we're too young. So we're just going to be friends until we're around mm, probably 26. And then we'll get married and have kids. And I was like, okay, whatever you want to do. And she was like, good. And then the next day she came home and she's like, oh, 
or I might marry David. So once she opened the door to maybe marrying Boone, then she was like, oh, but there's this other guy. So she hasn't quite gone back to I never want to get married. But I thought that was a cute way of her describing. It's way inappropriate to even think about that now. So we're just going to be friends. Just the socialization of even little kids. Because we didn't say anything. They were like holding hands and stuff. We didn't even say, oh, you guys are boyfriend or girlfriend. None of us said anything. And it's so interesting that even just with parents who don't even say anything about it, or that's what she came up with after that trip. Yeah, it all gets absorbed. And, you know, still to this day, right? If you're not married, what's wrong with you? That's so insulting. The one guy that I bit his head off, I was like, because I don't want to be, okay? He was not expecting that to come out of me. (laughs) Do you think that my cuteness is invalid because I'm not owned by someone? Maybe that's what I should say. He would not understand what in the world I was saying. You don't have to give up your faith, but can we leave the abuse behind? Can we leave the misogyny behind? Can we leave all of this other stuff behind that is actually inhibiting your relationship with God? Like it's actually getting in the way. And actually against our religion, right? Abuse should be against any religion. Violence should be against any religion. And health should be supported by any religion if it's a true like legitimate beneficial system of thought yeah like our religion in the handbook it says we do not tolerate any abuse i just don't think people understand what abuse is they don't apply it to this context they don't understand what emotional abuse is they don't understand what psychological abuse is they don't understand sexual coercion and then they'll take that verse and ignore it and instead highlight other verses that perpetuate domination control and power love serve and forgive yep right so it's a very important area that you're in and there's so many women in religion fighting exactly your battle and your work is extremely important and very much needed and i'm such a big supporter of what you're doing Thank you. Because I'm like, man, if we really do believe in God, our job in these last days is to separate out the wheat and the tares. And how do we do that as religious, righteous, faithful women? We kick these guys out of our houses. (laughs) That's how we do it. We don't have to love, serve, and forgive. We boot them out. Like, we can do this. Ladies, pull your pants on and let's do this. Let's bring peace to the world. Emancipation from abuse is a real tenet of my model and my work. It's always comes down to that statement. I always say to partners, emancipation from abuse is healthy, is psychological health. It's the definition of psychological health. So when you get confused in all the trauma and you don't know which way to go, just move towards truth, reality, and those are your best friends and emancipating yourself from harm and abuse is always a healthy trajectory. So there's this lady named Valerie Hudson and she's a feminist author, but she's also a woman of faith, but she's worked in like political science. Her work is about how we're never going to have world peace unless we have peace between the sexes at home, basically, unless men stop abusing their wives. And it's super interesting how she takes that Like, if that would stop, then we would have world peace in general because men would be healthy. I just like the idea of world peace. But women, healthy people, in order to have world peace, we have to start with peace in our own homes. And those homes have to be created by choice and consciousness, not unconscious scripts that end up being traumatic 
Dr. Minwala and I, after this point, just kind of kept talking and um, it was such a wonderful conversation. I'm so grateful for his insights. You know, when people come on the podcast, we all have different opinions and different ways of approaching things. And I just appreciate how everyone comes to it from their own experience. And I always appreciate Dr. Minwala. He is such a wonderful advocate. And even though we both see the world in maybe some different ways, I really appreciate him and everything he has to offer. So I'm so glad that he was able to join me. If this podcast is helpful to you, please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating. Thank you for helping other women find us. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon, and rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on support the BTR podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there 